0: enclaves of Central America and the Caribbean, and is available on SoundCloud, iTunes Podcast, and Google Play Music. The Latino Media Collective is recorded in WPFW studios and airs Fridays at 1 p.m. on
1: WPFW, Washington. Freedom. My name is M1. I'm half of the legendary tell it like its is. everything is political rap duo dead Press,
2: and this is WPFW, Washington. Your station for Jazz and
1: Justice. This is a gunning. I got so much trouble on my mind refuse to lose here's your ticket
2: he is amazing I didn't know nothing about it I don't want to be like Mike say what you say say what I don't want to be like Mike before Magic's knees go permanently south for the winner. I don't want to be like Mike. Changing up the guard quicker than fear brings down doo-doo.
1: the <laughs> Hey, young bro.
0: He uh, never saw Elgin Baylor play during his, his day or Oscar Robinson. Or
2: flash the dice roll back. The big old
3: was jackknifing through all them bodies. I didn't know nothing about it. Welcome,
4: welcome, welcome to the collision. He's Atan Thomas. I'm Dave Zirin here at your home for Jazz and Justice 89.3 FM WPFW, where we aim to change the world one broadcast at a time. So thrilled to be talking with him this week. Aton Thomas, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good, Dave. How you doing? Well, it's a rough world out there, but I'm happy to find a little bit of shelter with you so we can try to figure out how we're going to make the world a better place. So much going on, man. I mean, we want to talk this week about this new organization, Athletes for a Ceasefire. We also want to get into some real issues about uh, family and basketball and, uh, and with, through the lens of what's happening right now with LeBron James and Damian Lillard. If you don't know those stories, we're going to tell you those stories. We also want to talk a little bit about some of the broader issues going on right now in sports and politics. How's that sound, buddy? That sounds good. Let's do it. Well, first and foremost, this is something I've wanted to talk to you about for the last several weeks this this organization has started, Athletes for a Ceasefire, mm-hmm. to really take on from an athletic platform Israel's assault on Gaza. And, you know, while it doesn't surprise me that you were one of the first people to sign on, you've always had that courage, you've always been willing to step out there. I wanted to actually ask you and give you the space to speak about why you did not hesitate, why you saw this and said, this is where... I want to be.
0: Well, you know, anybody that has, that follows me on any social media knows that I've been speaking about this since, you know, October um, when everything happened. We've we've been talking about it on, you know, on this show, me, Dave, and, and Chuck, you know, kind of nonstop. So it wasn't any, you know, second thought of if I would sign, you know, a petition in of the collectives of, of athletes who were calling for a ceasefire. Um, it wasn't a second thought. Uh, we were all both part of um, the the Zoom with a lot of different athletes and activists and you know what I mean. Angela Davis spoke and you know it, Kyrie Irving was on it and it, it was it was an amazing um, you know collection of people who all you know wanted to figure out some way to let their voices and objections be heard um, collectively. Um, everybody spoke with passion. You know Michael Bennett, who we you know we, we were very close with. Um, spoke passionately about why he, he, he wanted to do something. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just interesting, you know, looking around, especially on social media and the, the, the groundswell of collective support of, you know, from just the, the, around the country, you know, there was more than I expected. Um, talking about some of the protests and some of the rallies that Chuck has been doing, such a great job in covering. Um, but I mean, it, it's 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 kind of a no brainer. I mean, it's just right and wrong. It, it's it's just you know something. You see the number of of Palestinian civilians who are being slaughtered, and you see the the reasoning behind it when when the you know Netanyahu, whether it's Netanyahu or any Israeli official. Is talking about why they need to surgery. Like, wait a minute, none of this is adding up. Like, you know, I mean, it's not, it's, it's not a, it's not a hard um, sell to, to, to have somebody. It shouldn't be a hard sell to have somebody be able to say, okay, this is wrong. You know what I mean? Something is not right with this. This is not something that I can support for you know my country to fund. Talking about how America is the, you know, the main supporter and funder of. Um, everything that's that's going on right now.
4: Um,
0: so that's, that's the long answer of why it really wasn't a hesitation for me to jump on board.
4: Yeah, I mean, it, it should not be a hard sell, and this is by no means just a question for athletes, and I can speak about how difficult it's been in my community, which is this very uh, liberal Tacoma Park suburb here in D.C., or city of Tacoma Park, whatever you want to call it. And Even here, it's the easy sell has been difficult. Now, applying that to athletes for a ceasefire, I know the organizers, you know the organizers. And of course, they've gotten folks to sign on, but it's also been a struggle. And I think we need to try to be able to explain to people why it's also been very difficult to get masses and masses of athletes to sign on. And the same way it's been difficult, and I don't want to make it about athletes totally, it's the same way it's been difficult in my community here to get overwhelming support for Tacoma Park to pass a ceasefire resolution. I, I wanted to get your thoughts, because like, I think we need, to be able to, we need to be able to explain to people who are, are frankly pulling their hair out about why this has also been so difficult. When issues like, for example, Ukraine and Russia, you know, before you know it, everybody's got flags up in their stores. Well,
0: I think it's very strategically done because anything that has, you know, um, any opposition to what the state of Israel does. And this has been historically has been kind of termed as anti-Semitic. That's the main reason. And there's no, you know, Sidestepping it, there's no, you know, you just have to kind of call it what it is, mm-hmm. and, and that's where the backlash comes and everything, you know, else like that. And it's as far as the the um the NBA in particular. I mean, everybody saw what happened with Kyrie. You know, everybody saw the the level of backlash. The level. So I think that was kind of, and we talked about it before. You know, you know, th- there's one thing as far as a discussing a topic that there's one that's saying this topic is off limits. Right. And there is no discussion, no matter what the discussion is. No, even if the discussion is, I completely disagree with what you say. Mm-hmm. I think it's fair to have that discussion. I completely disagree with everything that you're saying. And then discuss why. And then that person presents his side, and this side. But with certain topics, this topic in particular, you know, certain entities show that there is no discussion. And you saw the NBA immediately, you know, say we support Israel. And that was it. No Okay, wait a minute. This is a little bit terrible. All these, you know, innocent Palestinian civilians are being slaughtered like nothing else. Right, and you know that you know when when a, when an organization um, makes you know draws kind of the line in the sand of where they stand. Sometimes it is a little bit difficult in this states because there's fear of you know retaliation, fear of you know not just not just um, backlash, not just not just uh, bad press, but actually retaliation as far as your um employment. So that's the reason why you see, but that and that that translates to um all facets of life. I mean, you see the different people who are, you know, losing job opportunities, who are doing all these things just in everyday life when they speak out. So it's it's tough. and and it is tough. So to answer your question, why? it's something that should be a very easy sell why it's so hard for you know whether you're talking about people in you know Tacoma Park area the liberals in in this area or the athletes in this area or you know everyday people I I think a lot of it is you know due to the fact that like I said in the beginning any opposition to the state of Israel is being strategically termed and has been strategically termed as automatically being anti-semitic yeah and I
4: I want to say, as a Jewish person, how incredibly and deeply offended I am when people say that me calling for a ceasefire is anti-Semitic. Because what's a ceasefire about? It's about saying that a total war being waged on a civilian population uh, is immoral. And we in the United States, as the funder of that, our political institutions need to start standing up. And saying, no, our tax dollars are not going to go to, for example, yesterday, a hundred people, Palestinians being killed lining up at a food aid truck Mm -hmm. in Rafa. I mean, things like this demand a political response from the United States. I mean, with with, with all due respect to other countries, it's the U.S. That's the great funder of this. I mean, I say all due respect to activists in other countries trying to pass resolutions and the like. This is where it counts here in the United States, and that's just about dollars and cents. Here's where it counts. And so when I'm called anti-Semitic for wanting a ceasefire, to me, it's deeply insulting on a family level, because the Jewish values that I was raised with are for calling for a ceasefire. So for them to say to me, no, your values should be against a ceasefire, it insults you know, my mom, it insults my grandparents, it insults uh the temp the particular temple in which I was raised, it insults a set of core values that is deeply personal to me, not just political, and deeply and deeply angering as well. And I'm trying to keep the anger part of this under control, but but that part is very difficult for me.
0: Well, of course, I don't. I don't see how it wouldn't be. You know, it's like anybody with half a heart would can look at this situation to be like, "This is not right." Like this is, you know what I mean. Seeing and then they showing they're showing the the um, starving children and how you know the UN um, said no, they are deliberately Israel is deliberately starving Palestinians. This is a UN rights um, expert. Uh, I don't have his name uh, in front of me, but but he. <laughs> He, he said it. This is what's happening. You know, he said that we've, they've never seen a uh, civilian population um, made to go hungry so quickly and so completely. You know, like he's like, yeah, he, he's 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 saying that this is the amount of silence that is why this is happening is, is befuddling to him. This is what he's saying, and I, I, I just looked up his name, Michael Fakiri? fakiri something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he is the. Um, he is the uh, UN rights expert. And it's just, you know, when you see reports like this and then you see the US then be the only person that votes against, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, it's, 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 it's tough. It's a tough time watching, you know, people lie to you. And I think more and more people, especially the younger generation is looking at this and saying, they, you know, talking about the the, the American politicians um, are specifically lying to us. They're telling us that no, this is wrong and we should do something about it. And then they give more support. They're giving more finances to. They're they're, you know, in terms of like billions and they're passing bills to to give more. Like, well, you can't say both at the same time. You can't say that this is wrong and then or you or not even not not even this is wrong, but that we that we have to act as, and be able to display uh, some type of humanity. Like, you're very careful with their words. You know what I mean? They don't say this is wrong. They say, you know, that Palestinians deserve to be able to live or something like that. But then you fund, you know, the mass genocide, which is, hap- which is what's happening right now, and you're funding it. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's yeah, I, it's I don't crazy. know words for this.
4: I know. And and it's scary when you've got Trump waiting in the wings and you feel like or I feel like Joe Biden is sacrificing the chance for a second term because he's so repelling, not just Arab and Muslim voters, but young people are just repelled by what Joe Biden is doing. And now Joe Biden is saying, well, you know, we're calling for a ceasefire to occur no later than I think he said April and and when you think about people like Rashida Talib and Corey Bush calling for a ceasefire in October, right. and you think about how many people have died between October and now, it's like if you believe that there should be a ceasefire, what, what, what were you waiting for? Like acceptable levels of casualties? Of course. Like What was the, what was the number
0: of, of Palestinian civilian death for you to say, okay, now maybe we can have a ceasefire?
4: Yeah, and if a ceasefire is an inevitability, and of course it is, it goes back to that very question. Uh, how much death to the powers that be did they feel like was acceptable? And this idea of depopulating an yeah. area, right. which is a war crime by any measure, uh, <sighs> it bogs the mind. I mean... One more question before we go wait, to... Break. Wait, wait. Let me, but let me, let me ask you this, and I, and I wanted to get your opinion on this. We haven't
0: talked about it, but I saw it, and it bothered me, and he was... Why was Biden eating an ice cream cone while he was saying this? I, I, I know you saw it, and he was sitting there eating... Like, what, what was going on? Like, what, what was happening? You're, you're talking about, you know, um, thousands of people being killed, and you're, you're, you know, you're hoping for a ceasefire, and he's sitting there eating an ice cream cone during the... You know, while he's addressing the media. What was going on, Dave?
4: Well, look, you know, there's a real worry um, about age, I think, too, that people can't get their their heads around. I mean, we've never had a presidential candidate at this stage of life. And so sometimes I wonder about that. And sometimes I think, you know, Joe Biden is somebody who threw—sometimes I think that gives him an excuse in terms of age. And I say, wait a minute, Dave, don't say that, because this has been— his position for over f- like 50 years. He's been in the in public life since his late 20s. That's when he became a senator in Delaware. So in, in over those 50 plus years, he's never wavered in his position on this. And so this idea that he'll waver now, if you know people in Dearborn, Michigan say we're not gonna, we're gonna vote basically for none of the above rather than vote for you. It's like I think he's willing to let Benjamin Netanyahu lead him off a political cliff before he's willing to stand up and say this is wrong because we have 50 years of evidence otherwise. I saw this quote from Biden from 1986 right. where he said, if Israel did not exist, we would have to invent it to exist so we would have, you know, our you know twitchy police officer in the Middle East, you know, ready to act on our behalf. And – It's like, whoa, if Israel didn't exist, we'd have to. And then the other thing he says all the time now, which I mean, and this is the thing that makes me so upset at It makes me as upset as anything I've heard because some some uh, advisor told him this was the line to say. He said he says he says this a lot. If Israel didn't exist. Oh, man, this one is hard to say. Jews would not be safe anywhere on Earth. And I'm like, bruh. You've got millions of us living in the country that you're the head of. Are you saying you can't keep your own citizens safe? Yeah. And you're saying that I will only be safe in a nuclear state in the Middle East? You know, (laughs) depopulating another population, that's what qualifies as, as safety? I mean, it's just like, come on, man. Listen to your constituencies. Listen to the people who will either win you or lose you this election And it'll be the way the history books are written, that if Trump does win this November and if he brings that kind of fascistic political program to the United States, which he's promising to do, the fact that it won't happen because people stayed at home or didn't care or were apathetic or were too busy listening to Susan Sarandon, it'll be because... Uh, he took this position on dehumanizing the Palestinian people, and young people were not going to vote for somebody who was taking such a position. And what a tragedy yeah, that would be!
0: A hundred percent. But let me ask you this: Do you think that anything would have been different if Trump was in office? And I, I don't mm-hmm. I, personally. I do not. But what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because that's a real question that you know keeps popping up.
4: Yeah, it's a great question, and to me, it's how much one cares about performative politics. And I don't care about at this point in my life, it 's I don't I don't care about performative politics at all. So with Joe Biden, you get some hand wringing with mm-hmm. Joe Biden. You get let me try to meet with people in Michigan. Uh, and with Donald Trump, we would get much more of a brash like, you know, you're darn right. We're depopulating Gaza. Let's do this thing. And but to me, it's the same result.
1: Mm.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, it's the same aid packages. It's the same weapons packages that would exist no matter who was in office.
3: right?
4: And so that kind of bipartisan unity in practice, even if on a performative level, it's different. I mean, doesn't mean a hill of beans to me, and I'm sure it doesn't mean a hill of beans to the people in Gaza. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, thank goodness. Joe Biden is wringing his hands. You know, no no that 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 doesn't mean a hill of beans
0: i mean uh, i really i really wish we had more options and i you know this is something that i i i keep saying um but there, I, I really wish we had more options than these two for biden yeah. and Trump, those are two terrible options I'll, I'll just say it that way and I, it y- and you're it, it's you're you, you don't even know how to carve out the lesser of two evils you know what i mean like how like what even cases that you're making like you said at the end of the day, if you say it brashly, or if you do it, you know, a little bit more diplomatically, but you do the same thing. Is, is there really a difference? You know? Yeah. and that's 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 tough. That's a tough. That's a tough pill to swallow. I mean, and 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 just to the to the. I know we're going way over past our break, but it's just you know, this is a topic that's it's, it's, it's so complex and it's so it's it's so ah, damaging right now. Mm. Um, you know, you kind of have to keep. Going with it a little bit when you're flushing all of the things out and you know when you're looking at these two options because many people are saying that how do you choose between the two of these both um, you know inadequate options and that's Mm -hmm. that that's a legitimate question right now.
4: It's very legitimate, and it's in. I think it's something we're going to be talking about a lot between now and November. I, I have some total follow-up questions for you about the role of athletes in this, but let's go to a break right now. Uh, we'll be back right after this on The Collision, where sports and politics collide.
2: Here we are. Here we are. for the people
3: have Egyptian mummies and a flag or a moon And can't find food for the starving tummies Pay no mind to the youths, cause it's not like the future depends on it We'll save the animals in the zoo, cause the chimpanzee them a make big money This is how meet the media pillages, on TV the picture is Savages and villages, and the scientists still can't explain the pyramids huh. Evangelists making a living on the videos of ribs of the little kids Stereotyping the image of the images, and this is what the image is you buy a car key points and all of a sudden you will say a Indiana Jones And I tip all the gold and tip all the scrolls and even the bird bones Some of the worst paparazzi I've ever seen and I've ever known With the worst on this place of so the world can see and the all that will ever show So the ones in the west will never move east and feel like it'll be at home. Get tricked by the beast but the way them go flee when the monster is fully grown Salamanic lineage where them seek and defeat and them coulda never clown
4: we're back here on the collision where sports and politics collide. Atan, what were we listening to just then?
0: That was uh, Nas and Damian Marley. Um, yeah, classic, classic track, classic album. You know, it's from a while ago, from Distant Relatives, but it's called Patience.
4: Wow. Um, can Can I ask you if you've seen the Marley movie at this point? Yeah, I mean,
0: I thought it was great. A lot of people said that they had different mixed opinions about it. You know, I know a lot of people in Jamaica wanted to be played by an actual Jamaican, um, you know. I mean, I thought the movie was. I thought the movie was good. I mean, it, it's it's tough when you're doing a, a biopic of someone because there's so much to include. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, even even this this you know a few weeks ago, me, me and um my daughters watched Malcolm X, and and it's a three and a half hour movie, but right. there's still so much more that they could have put in it. You know what I mean? So it's 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 tough. You can only put so much into a movie, but I mean, I thought it was good.
4: Yeah, I mean, I I haven't seen it yet. What I hear is actually much more positive than what I thought. And also, um, we'll we'll get back to the topic of Athletes a Ceasefire in a second. But just to say, I'm straining to think of a biopic that hasn't been criticized.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. I mean, because it's tough. It's just tough. You're you're cramming everybody's life, somebody's life into,
4: what, (laughs) a two-hour movie? At most three hours. Yeah. and even, you know, Malcolm X, you know, th- th- that was a particularly long film. Yes, very long. I didn't make it. But if, and if you're making a two hour film about Johnny Cash or Ray Charles or, yeah. you know, Patsy Klein, I mean, people are going to say, well, wait a minute. Where's this? Where's that? Yeah. Because, you know, everybody when you read these bio when you read something like Alex Haley, you know, you have your favorite parts. And right. then, if that favorite part isn't in there, it's, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> right,
0: right, right, right. <laughs>
4: Where's yes. my part? You know, yeah, that's, that's just good. the part Look at how it. many, how many,
0: uh, how long the series was of Alex Haley's roots. And how, you know I, what I mean? Why it took that long. Like, how, if, imagine them trying to cram that into a two hour movie.
4: Yeah. No, it, it would, it would have left people uh, deeply dissatisfied. Of course. Good gracious. Um, But yeah. This is something I really wanted to discuss with you. It's about the role of athletes in stopping the carnage, because this is what what I think. I'm curious if you agree with my political framework. I feel we've traveled a very far distance politically from summer 2020 after the police murder of George Floyd, athletes speaking out, Mercedes Benz against racism, commercials like that. Adam Silver encouraging players to be politically active. Mm -hmm. I just feel like we've taken a giant step backwards since then. And the climate for athletes speaking out, not even necessarily about Israel-Palestine, is so much less fertile than it was in 2020 that the backlash is part of it. I think the the um the response of the NBA, like how relentless they were on Kyrie is part of that with a lot of players saying afterwards, "Well, wait a minute, I thought we were you know part supposed to speak out or say things. I thought it was going to at the very least start discussions and that we don't even get to do that. I mean, but that's only part of it, you know I mean th- there's been so many relentless obstacles that as I see it the athletes speaking out to the point of which where, when we were on that call, you know, there were some people on that call whose names I'm, I'm not going to say, cause you know, respect. Cause I get the fear is real, right, but right. like people who said, I support you, but I'm not signing on. Right. Cause I don't think there's a climate out there where I even can.
0: Well, I, it's it's because of the topic. That's what I mean. It's this specific topic that, that is the, the lion in the sand that, that the NBA has specifically, Made their position very well known that this topic is off limits. That's what I saw, and that's what I saw even before when we was going over and and we was talking about the things with Kyrie and talk There was no discussions like that going on around the league, around the NBA on on NBA TV, on on TNT, and there were there were no. It it, it it it's it's the result is for a reason. The reason why you have so many different NBA players right now that are quiet this topic is specifically for that reason. Mm. I, don't, I don't think it's a mystery. I don't think anything. I think that is directly because of the way they handled the Kyrie Irving situation that happened and the backlash and how they came down. I mean, listen, they it wasn't just bad press. Like they suspended him and had him go through a six what was a six seven step program to be. He had to meet with the with the rabbi. He had to.
4: Don't, they had? They made him donate to to the to a um, anti defamation uh, league. They told anti-defamation him defamation league. I mean, it's five hundred thousand dollars,
0: half a million dollars, which is I mean, you know, cool think
4: because they. I, I just jump in real quick, just go so for quick. It, go for it. I just want people to know this: that a lot sometimes people talk about the anti defamation league as if it's like the NAACP for Jewish people. Nope. like kind of this broad organization that. You know, is about just trying to promote Jewish culture, Jewish life, stand up to anti-Semitism when the ADL is a right wing anti-black organization that targeted people in the Black Lives Matter movement uh, for attempting to build. You know, they were the people who went after some of those leading activists who were also part of the Women's March. You know, they were the people who attempted to stain anybody speaking about black lives with, you know, some sort of anti-Semitic ties. And it's because they are a right-wing organization, not a sort of broad NAACP-esque organization. And a speech by the head of the ADL, Jonathan Greenblatt, said yesterday that people in organizations, like organizations that I, I proudly ally myself with, like Jewish Voice for Peace And a group called If Not Now, this is the words he used. Jewish Voice for Peace, therefore a final solution with regards to Jewish people. I know people from, you know, and that's of course a reference to the Holocaust, as if they want to wipe out the Jewish people. And the slander of that, given the number of people in Jewish Voice for Peace who actually have relatives who perished in the 1930s and 40s in Europe. I mean, they, they are completely completely uh, amoral as an organization. And the NBA was like, Kyrie, write a check for half a million dollars. Yeah, right. This organization. I mean, that is still wild to me. Absolutely wild to me. And, and and that's one of the, I mean, and this is where it gets to other questions. They're Like, where, where was the union when that happened? And what gave Adam Silver the confidence to think this was what he could sort of, put down on Kyrie and it's this is one of those moments you're, you're going to be shocked to hear me say this a ton mm-hmm. where I, I longed for David Stern no okay can you believe I just said that not, but <laughs> David Stern had to deal with a similar situation with uh Charlie Ward in the late 90s David Stern's response was he can say what he wants to say and people can believe what they want to believe next topic
0: uh, I got I got to respectfully disagree with you on that one because of the way that he he dealt with uh, Mahmoud Abdul Very true. All right. You right. You right. And and but especially Mahmoud. Um, and if you you know speak because he's spoken about it on in many different you know platforms and in my book and you you know you're already, he's spoken about it, but the way that David Stern treated him when he was literally. Praying during the anthem—that was what he was doing. He prayed during the anthem. At first, at first, you know what I mean. He had he had his response, but then he sat and prayed. And there was no—I mean, you know—it's it,
4: yeah. No, nah, David Stern was not. You're
0: you know, right.
4: You're right. I take it back. The, the The bigger issue was just I I didn't like the way Silver. I hear you, and I get that point. like make like it's like who who made this a bigger issue?
0: But also, but also, I will say that Adam Silver did. Um, even though it was weird but after he one of the steps was him to have a sit down dinner with Adam Silver and I guess some of his Jewish friends I don't know whatever it was at his house and Adam Silver came out and he did say you know he is not anti-Semitic um, after having a long intense conversation with him but it was just weird that that was needed I mean it, 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 I mean I was I was, you know it was a mixed opinion feeling I was like okay I'm glad that Adam Silver, you know, said what we kind of already knew, but you know, that's that's the fact that he needed to say it, but he did say it. I don't
4: know. I don't know. Yeah. No. know It was, no, yeah, you, no. it was a show. Sure. But yeah. you can you believe this? We got to take our break right now, and when we come back, um, I actually want to talk a little bit about a different topic, which is the question of NBA players attempting to live their lives in. Be family people, and how they get criticized when they put that forward. Mm. What do you think? You want to go there? Or no, that's good. That I mean,
0: there's a lot. There's with Damian Marley. There's with LeBron and Bronny tied into that topic. It's I, I think it's definitely something we could talk about.
4: No doubt, no doubt. Let's go to break right now. Uh, this is the collision of Thomas, Dave Zirin, WPFW, where sports and politics collide.
2: Get a punchline, these lines pack a punch And they hit like a stiff jab to the jaw When I spit rappers, are call up the dispatchers Like man down, send an ambulance now. Cause truth hurts, and the future just like an avalanche plow through your speakers, huh? With the spirit in me, I spit fire Like an aerosol can being sprayed at a lit lighter Brainwash fans give you thumbs up like hitchhikers I think you whacking full of crack like a kid's diapers I compose art like Mozart With metaphors so deep to catch them You're hacking, you so And go hard as a crowbar, My a whole squad, a boat guard, the army is Satan with no prawn. Uh, now homie, you know who I'm down with Guard over money, A-Omega style, wow click uh, These artists hide the truth from you So we here to spill the beans like a cleanup on aisle 6 These dudes bugging with the black flag They garbage, go get the trash bags See, even though I flow grimy as a backstab I represent something greater than me I'm putting guard over that cash uh, Hashtag
4: you rat trash. Don't so look like Mike Tyson. Picture me fall back do fast, sucker. Yo. Hmm. Yeah, uh, uh, this is the collision where sports and politics collide. He's a ton. Thomas. I'm Dave Zion. What were we just listening to, a And then I'm gonna break down the sample. <laughs> that was that was Dayton. Um, it's a whole
0: cipher with him and his whole crew. Um, with Bizzle and Bumps comes on afterwards. But that
4: part we was listening to was Dayton, a uh, talented rapper, rapping over a biggie beat. It was dope. It was fantastic. And you know I'm a big fan on uh, the, the 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 channel Rock the Bells, ah. all old school hip hop channel with Greg Nice.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: With, do a segment called Salute the Sample. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg Nice, Greg Nce. So Salute the Sample. In this case, it goes to I Put a Spell on You by screaming Jay Hawkins. Mm-hmm. You hear that dun-dun-dun-dun. Yep. Mm. Yep. And it's so interesting when we
0: talk about sampling and so many people don't know. And I, I always, when they do that, I'm like, oh, I didn't know that was sampled from that. You know what I mean? Is is It's because mm-hmm. you think of it as this person's beat. You know? That's what you think of it. Be like, no, they took three different beats and combined them and took this from here and took this from here and then they made that. I'm
4: like, oh, interesting. Well, in college, I was introduced to so much music from the 1970s that I otherwise never, ever would have heard by having a couple of good friends who said, Hey, when we listen to hip hop, we should always trace it back and go down to the record store and get records by people like the Brothers Johnson or the Delphonics and, and play that. And then we started to get into that music, which was experimental, funk, jazz. And I never would have heard that stuff without following samples down the rabbit hole.
0: You know, there's this one site, and I can't think of the name of it, but they play actually the original sample. And then they play the the, the popular, you know what I mean, remix of it. And I can't remember the name of it. Ah, it's going to come to me later. But I liked when they was when they do that. I went down a whole rabbit hole and was going through all these different things.
4: And it's amazing
0: how much stuff is always sampled. <laughs> it, it is,
4: and sometimes we got to do it in reverse. Like recently, you know, there's been this fast car renaissance. The Tracy Chapman mm-hmm. song with the the country singer Luke Combs, and then they did it together at the Grammys. And I thought, wow, you know, in the middle of that song at the Grammys, they should have brought out Greg Nice and Smooth B to do sometimes I rhyme slow, sometimes I rhyme quick. You know, <laughs> yeah, right, right, <laughs> yeah, that was right. gonna happen. Um, But, yo, d- different question, different point um, from what we're talking about. Although, let me throw out there uh, Chuck Modiano reminding us that March 2nd, 1 p.m., at the Israeli embassy, which is right around the corner from, uh, from UDC, uh, over on uh, Connecticut and Van Ness, there's going to be a demonstration called Hands Off Rafa, and the ways in which over one million people are now crowded into rafa and the way it's they're they're just being shot down you know going to aid trucks like happened yesterday you know hands off rafa i mean needs to be the the international call right now so yeah so people should go out march 2nd 1 p.m at the embassy so
1: yeah
0: uh, let me let me let me me start this a little bit before we get to the Damian miller part because i do want to get your take on this lebron and brownie situation oh yeah let's Uh, talk and they both blend together. And it's, it's what you said about athletes and their, their private life. And is 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 a family life something that, that is respected by the NBA fans? And, you know, it, the, the LeBron and Bronny situation is a little bit interesting. I've heard different perspectives. But basically, um, Bronny gets a whole lot of criticism or a whole lot of praise. And it's like... Either he's the greatest thing or he's the absolute worst, and it, and it's it's a tough position for Brian to be in, to be honest with you. If you follow any of the you know the things from this season, and LeBron made a he 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 made a comment um, on social media, and he said, "Can you please just let him be a regular kid? You know, everything will work out. Everything, you know." and I guess he was left off a mock draft or you know whatever it was, right? What are your thoughts as far as somebody who is in the spotlight like a Bronny? Um, and LeBron saying, can you just let him be a regular kid? What was your reaction to that?
4: Uh, it, it was, I, I, I was of two minds because, you know, the, the, the humanist in me thinks every kid should have the right to be a kid. Every teenager should have the right to be a teenager. That means sometimes making mistakes and learning for those mistakes. And it's very tough for kids in the spotlight to have that space to learn from their mistakes, especially in an era of social media where it gets magnified so many times and i'm not even talking about famous kids it's like you make a mistake and social media is forever it's remembered i mean how many times have we seen athletes get in the spotlight and someone's like hey i found this tweet from 2012 right 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 you know and and now you know you better you know get canceled even not even apologize and it's like well i was uh 14 and i was you know Yeah. Being stupid, and I thought three people would read it. You know, it's you can, we're not a forgiving society at this point, and social media is a big reason for that. So, there's a part of me that's very sympathetic uh, to, to Bronnie James, to the James family, uh, in terms of wanting to fight for that space for their kid to be able to be a kid. That being said, mm-hmm. and this is where I get of two minds about this
1: mm-hmm.
4: this is a situ a lot. And I know LeBron James is in his own rare air. But uh, as you know well, Etan, a lot of former NBA players right now have remarkable, remarkable players Mm -hmm. among their children. Mm -hmm. People who are amazing. Yet LeBron took the tack of having Bronny in the spotlight and his development in the spotlight from the youngest possible age. I mean, I remember seeing like five-year-old Bronny doing little dunks on baby mm-hmm. rims and whatnot, and you know, and that stuff was projected over social media. So there is a a part of me, and and let me be clear what I'm what I'm even being mildly critical of is not LeBron James going to Bronny's games and whooping it up on the sideline because he has the right to be a father too, of course. And I don't want to say that he does not by any stretch of the imagination, but he has also highlighted his sons in particular on social media. Pretty relentlessly from the time they were old enough to hold a ball. And so they now say, whoa, 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 give him space. When he's at USC, it's not like he's going to the University of Minnesota or something. When he's at USC and that choice was made to go to USC, I mean, it's just a little, it feels a little bit LeBron ish (laughs) to want to have it both ways. Uh, with regards to Bronny and that's what I, that's what I'm struggling with because of course I believe Bronny should have that space while at the same time when LeBron says give him the space there's a part of me that wants to be like well you didn't give him the space and maybe we were just following your lead the and it's and I hear you on that the only thing I would
0: say was the one statement and I never hear him say it but I, I've seen it posted a lot where he said something to the the fact that he could play on the Lakers now, or something like that, right? um I remember that. I, I thought that was a little much to to put on him. You know what I mean? Honestly, when I first saw, it, I was like, ah, that's a lot. You know what I mean? Now it's going to be like that level of pressure who added to already the pressure of being LeBron james's son. You know, and it's you know I don't I don't mind necessarily the the the, you know, posting the highlights and posting the clips. Everybody does. All all NBA players do that of their sons. You know, I do that of my son, you know. But I think that the, that part, as far as talking about where I want to play with my son before I retire in the league, you know, I think he kind of put that, right that part in, in, in everybody's minds and lips. What, you know, he inserted that. I, I don't think when you see other players, like as good as different players, you know, sons are. They're not necessarily talking about the NBA right now with their sons. They're just like, you know, he's doing well. I'm proud of him. You know, posting clips, things like that. Um, I, yeah, I think he kind of put that on. I, even though at the same time, I do agree that young people should be able to be young people, but that's just not how it is now. You know, yeah. especially with social media, it's just, it's just not. So it, it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting dynamic. There yeah, with with Bronny, but I do feel that he's kind of always going to have this bullseye on him, where he's either going to be praised as the best thing since sliced bread or criticizes the the worst player. That you know what I mean? Like that's is going to be those extremes, and that that is kind of unfortunate.
4: Yeah, it is unfortunate. But then it's like LeBron's accountability, as you're saying, in putting that spotlight on him, yeah, does need to be addressed because. Yeah. Saying that, you know, your teenage son is better than your teammates.
0: Yeah, I I, I don't know if that's exactly
4: what he said. He said something too bad. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I I can play on this team ahead of people right now. You know, there's only one, you know, one way to interpret that. And people interpreted it more as like he's trying to give his own players a kick in the butt um, by saying such a thing. But at the same time, it does have this ricochet effect. Um, on Bronny. The other thing what you mentioned about the the sheer pressure of, because let's face it, it would be an accomplishment, like an unimaginable accomplishment to have a father and son playing in the NBA at the same time. I mean, the Griffys did it in baseball, but someone playing baseball into their forties is hardly a new thing. Right. You know, playing basketball long enough so your own child Right. Be on a team with you is is a remarkable accomplishment. Well, now never happened. Yeah, you would be it, the first <laughs> in a private goal. Yeah, <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, it's like that could have been a family goal. It could have been the sort of thing where if a media member was like, "Hey, any interest in that?" He could have just sort of smiled and been like, "Ah, that's yeah. a private conversation." You know. Right, right, right. You don't it's know how the setup crazy. was. Uh, yeah. It's like we're going to do this and it reminds me a little bit how mad people were when uh LeBron started calling himself, you know, King James before winning a title or anything like that and was posing with a scepter and a crown on Slam magazine. Yeah. It's like King James, it's like come on and he was like 920 at the time. And it's like come on, man. Right. It's Like just just a, a little a, a little less being tone deaf on some of this stuff. And
0: it's tough. Uh, it's tough. tough to is done. Let me, let me say this today. The reason why it's tough is because the media will hype different players out to be and then they start calling them this or they start calling them. I, I've seen it happen. I remember seeing it with, you know, Felipe Lopez and he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated and he was like the second coming and all this different stuff. I was like, wow, they put in a lot because he was just in high school. And I remember seeing I just remember that because that's when, you know, I was younger. Mm-hmm. And level of pressure and everything that they put, I don't know, sometimes uh, it's tough. It's tough. What how do you how do you do as a player if somebody's calling you the chosen one? Yeah. You know what I mean? Or calling or calling you the, the next Michael Jordan or the next like literally saying words like that. How how do you respond to that?
4: No, exactly. And and the way LeBron has responded, of course, I mean we need to take a step back from it and yeah. look at all the players who've been crushed by high expectations. hundred percent
0: he actually exceeded
4: them. Exceeded. <laughs> the only other person that I can compare LeBron to, maybe in all of sports, uh, is somebody like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yep, that's what I was gonna say. That's, even, that's the only person. <laughs> even Serena was able to come up with with the the protective the protective covering of Venus. Yeah. Remember, yeah. when Serena started. It was it was all about oh well that's just Venus's little sister. Right. 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 You know and 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 then you know, I remember when Serena won her first u s open it was like it was almost like, "Is't that cute <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> you know Venus's little sister got one, you know, and then she was able to grow into being the goat that's right that's and right. and you know you so you make it like kareem you know in, in an era without social media in an era without more than you know three t v channels, Yeah, but being true. held up as the second coming as Wilt, but better like right. Wilt and Bill Russell, if they were able to merge, you would get Lou Alcinder and all this stuff. And the fact that he was able to play 20 years and be, you know, the, the greatest, um, arguably, you know, yeah. the greatest low post player to ever live. And, you know, in the conversation for greatest all time is amazing. And LeBron too, like with the weight of expectation to be able to do what he has done is amazing. And while also doing very important things like his response to uh, the movement for black lives like his you know response to them telling him to shut up and dribble on fox news yeah. I mean all of that has been socially very important the building of the school in akron these are important things that he has done so fine he makes some mistakes he's He's overly effusive about his son. And, you know, to me, it's like we can grant him like we should be a little bit more forgiving for the mistakes he's made. But that being said, he also (laughs) has responsibility for how he has promoted Bronny. That's true. And also, you know, it's important to
0: add that there is that segment that that don't like the part that he has been able to speak out for for black lives and been able to speak out, you know, against shut up and dribble who are looking to criticize anything that he does. And that that's a very strong, you know, they're they're like waiting for something for a chance to be able to pounce on LeBron
4: about something. And that's uh, just the political aspect. You've got all the Michael Jordan stands. Yeah, who's Always yeah. looking to criticize LeBron. You've got uh you know he he has uh, built in this idea because he's the the the, the biggest player. Right. It's also almost by definition in this social media age the most polarizing player.
0: Right. Right. Because Man, we, we have, unity it. have unity about. We didn't,
4: it. To, we didn't get to Damian Lillard though. <laughs> it's already. Just, real, real quick. Uh, touch on Damian Lillard, real quick. Yeah, I mean, Damian Lillard just did an interview where he spoke very honestly about, frankly, about being alienated, lonely, and bored in Milwaukee. You know, having to leave his family uh, behind, you know, really. And also, you know, not being in the place where, you know, he thought he was going to be in Miami. And he spoke openly about that. He then also did something where he was asked to name the top five players in the NBA and he didn't name Giannis, which was a little bit like, ooh, you know, a little awkward, you know. But, yeah, they seem to get along well. It just isn't gelling like a lot of us thought it would be. But I just like a lot of people uh, jumped on him for this. And we're like, I heard this one guy say, oh, you're bored. Go to a museum. <laughs> like, yeah. Go to a museum. You're a grown man. Figure it out. You like to rap, get in the studio. <laughs> it's like, no, man, that's not how emotions work. And we always say we want players to be open and honest. But then you can't lay the smacketh down on them when they actually are.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean it's it, it then this is the thing. They want you to be open and honesty as long as they agree with
4: your honesty and openness. That's right. what it is.
0: Yes. So if they agree with it, then yes, be open and as honest as you possibly want to be.
4: <laughs> like I love that he's honest about loving Milwaukee.
0: Right. Yeah, you love that part.
4: <laughs> yeah, they would love that. Wow, right. it's great right. the way he promotes his teammates. And no, oh, he's Damian Lillard. He's he's one of the top 75 players ever. You know, he, he can say what he wants to say and people should at the very least, you know, listen and take it in yeah. and try to understand where he's coming from. But, you know, you're talking to somebody a ton who's always going to be a stand for Damian Lillard because I've just loved watching him play since his rookie year. Didn't know who he was coming out of Weber State and just I've been blown away by his amazingness over the course of his career.
0: Great. And I hope they get it together in Milwaukee. I don't know if Doc Rivers was the right coach. That's a that's a different discussion that we can have. But I hope they get it together. You know, I do. I'm rooting for them. You know, Malcolm loves uh, Giannis. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that's like one of his favorite players. So, yeah, I hope they do get it together.
4: By the way, you mentioned Felipe Lopez, the New York City high school phenom. I am contractually obligated to just say that uh, in high school, Felipe Lopez blocked me to half court. You, you, you told that story. I, I know. I, <laughs> no, he, he was a man. He was a man. He was a man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I pump faked. He didn't jump. And then I shot it. And he didn't jump until the ball was in the air. <laughs> and, and spiked it to half court. And then we're, we're going up the court the other way. And he put his arm around me and said, it's okay. It's okay.
0: Nicest guy on earth. Nicest guy on earth,
4: too. All right, man. Well, we've hit the end of our time. Etan Thomas, anything else you want to say before we go?
0: No, good show as always. Great discussion. We covered a lot.
4: Yeah, we did cover a lot and still not even close to what I dreamed of covering, which is (laughs) kind of a great show. For everybody out there, remember March second. Hands off, Rafa. Israeli embassy, one p.m. For everybody out there listening, please stay frosty. We are out of here. Peace. Mm -hmm.
1: Equal rights and justice for all. Rise and never fall. Tell himself, boom. What they gonna do When enough of them not true So what they gonna do Them get slow, yeah Who do you think you are We living in a small way. As wicked as you think you are We living in a small way. As bad as you think you are We living in a small way. As, as, as tough as you think you are Stand and see all those wicked men in the fire getting burned. That day will come when they will try to escape and they will be nowhere to run. That day will come when I shall see their hands in those bombs and bayonets and bullets and gun. That day will come when Emperor Celestial shall rise the world they get to You from
0: Code Pink Women for Peace is coming to you live from Washington, D.C. and New York City Thursday at 11 a.m. Code Pink Radio is an energizing new program focused on ending wars and militarism and building a peace economy. Listen weekly to robust conversation and inspiration from grassroots peacemakers from places like Korea, Yemen, Venezuela, Palestine, and Iran, as well as peacemakers in our nation's capital who are confronting war hawks in the White House and in Congress and modeling the actions we want our government to take. Again, that's Code Pink Radio, Thursdays at 11 a.m. on Washington, D.C.'s WP. PFW and New York City's WBAI, an engaging hour of cutting-edge conversation not to be missed.
4: We are women of the world.
2: We're from the East Side. Of- Celebrating 20 years, the New African Film Festival, presented by AFI and Africa World now Project, brings the vibrancy of African filmmaking from all corners of the continent and across the diaspora to the DMV at the AFI Silver Theatre and Cultural Centre in downtown Silver Spring. From March 15 to the 28th, the festival features 26 films from 16 countries, including three years' premieres and discussions with filmmakers. Explore the diversity of new filmmaking from Africa at the 2024 New African Film Festival. Tickets and full schedule at afi.com forward slash silver. That's AFI.com forward slash silver or call 301-495-6700, 301-495-6700, WPFW, building a better world, one broadcast at a time.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, uh, come on, come on, come on. To the East, my brother, to the East. Uh, to the East, my brother, to the East, come on. To the East,
1: my brother, to the East.
0: education art health music politics and all things community yes join me ambrose lane jr as we uncover the issues of dc communities east of the river on to the east mondays at 5 p.m right here on your station for jazz and justice wpfw 89.3 fm The talk show Africa Now airs Wednesdays at 1 p.m. It's a modern view on historical issues concerning the entire African world. Addressing how African people are participating in globalization. Ways in which the rest of the world continues to exploit African resources. Uncovering labor violations by corrupt politicians and Western government powers. Learn what's happening now in interviews with artists, activists, scholars, and a host of other experts each episode. Listen Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Africa Now is also available on iTunes Podcast, Google Play Music, as well as SoundCloud on your station for Jazz and Justice, WPFW, Washington. This is Rev Yearwood, and I am so excited to announce our new climate show Think 100% Climate Friday. This show will keep you up to date on everything climate justice related in a rapidly changing world. We will discuss breaking news and updates on environmental issues, the climate crisis, COVID-19 and politics. This show will make tangible how the climate crisis is already impacting our lives and what you can do about it. So tune in every Friday at 9 o'clock a.m. right here on WPFW 89.3, your jazz and justice station. Taking Action offers listeners current information about protecting our schools and communities by interviewing leaders in public housing development and educators. We share strategies to stand up for social justice, providing a voice for the homeless and those fighting against gentrification in our city in addition to building our power as a community by supporting local businesses and holding government officials accountable for their actions. Taking Action is produced by Empower DC. Listen every Tuesday on 89.3 FM at 1 p.m. Also available on iTunes podcast